I don't think I've ever had to have a trigger warning before an episode, but I wanted to just tell you that today's guest, Nicole's going to talk about some trauma and working through trauma and working through your feelings about God in your trauma. And so she's going to talk about some of the trauma she's been through. And so if that is something that could be a trigger for you, just let this serve as a warning to you. And I say that with all the love in my heart. And I hope you tune into this episode. Nicole shares a lot about how she has worked through the things God has walked her through and how she has come out on the other side of that. So I pray that this episode is a healing one for you or someone that you love. Thanks, friend. Hey, friend, welcome to Milk and Honey with Lemon. The Bible says in Numbers 14, 8, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. On this podcast, we talk about stepping into that overflow that God has for us by becoming those ultimate Proverbs 31 women. Hey, I'm Lemon. I am just like you, sister friend. I knew God had something more in store for me, but I couldn't see a way out of the laundry piles. And frankly, I resented that Proverbs 31 woman. How was I gonna live up to the hype? That is until I found out how to really step into becoming this Proverbs 31 woman through leadership development. In this podcast, you're gonna find financial freedom, leadership growth, and motivation so you'll be able to do all the things God has called you to do with ease and really step into that land of milk and honey. Welcome back to the Milk and Honey Podcast. I'm your host, Lemon Price, and I am so excited because today I have my friend Nicole Henson with me, and Nicole is super cool. She's an author, and she's a teacher, and she is a public speaker. We, we've we met before, and we just had this really intense conversation about how God set her free from bondage, and she got over a lot of childhood trauma and that is what she loves to help people do is find this freedom and healing that she has had. So I'm excited because today we're going to talk about how do you trust God when life does not look like you thought it would, which is, I think, something a lot of us struggle with. So thank you for being here, Nicole. Thank you for the invite. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So tell us a little bit about you, my friend. Okay, I will just tell a little bit about my background so you all know where I'm coming from. I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. My biological dad started abusing me at a very young age. When I was around seven, he ended up marrying a woman that was deeply involved in the occult. I am assuming she was because he wasn't before that. Anyhow, they both got very deep in the occult. They got into like crystals and some Satan worship. It got really dark and really deep and the sexual abuse just really ramped up. And because of that, my life did not look like I thought it was going to look like. Nobody goes into life thinking that they're going to be a victim of horrific sexual abuse. And as a result of that, I lived in constant fear because not only was he sexually abusing me, he was also emotionally abusing me. He would tell me that if I thought bad about him, that he would know. So he controlled my thoughts. I wasn't even in the same state as him. He was in Florida. I was in Indiana. And I can remember thinking all the time, don't think bad. Don't think bad. It became like a mantra that I lived with because I really believed at that age that he could hear my thoughts. And he always threatened that if I told, he would kill me and my mom. So I had this unhealthy bond with my mom from the get-go, thinking that I had to keep her safe and that I had to keep this, this abuse a secret so that nobody would find out, so that she would not get hurt, I would not get hurt. 
led to many, many issues in my life, low self-esteem, self-hatred, no boundaries with my body. I was 12 years old and seeking out older men just because my body didn't mean anything to me. I didn't understand love. I didn't understand sex. I didn't understand sexuality. I didn't understand any of those things. I was in deep depression. The first time I considered suicide, I was 12. And that followed me for years of my life. One of the big things as I got older and older, when I was 18, I gave my heart to the Lord. And the one question that kept coming up in my mind over and over, and I'd even have people around me ask, how can a good God let things like this happen to a child? How can a good God let kids get horrifically abused? He's all powerful. The Bible says he's all powerful, but why does he let these things happen? And that was the one thing that built the biggest wall between me and God. I loved him. I was serving him, not to my full capacity because I had this wall between us. I wasn't fully surrendered to him because we will never fully surrender to somebody we don't trust. And I didn't trust him. Like, we're just going to be completely transparent. I did not trust him. I thought I did, but I didn't because I always had that question and I could never answer it for myself and I can never answer it for others because of the abuse that I went through. It was like I was a magnet for people who had been abused because I was very open about it. I was very open about my brokenness and that abuse scars us that we can never heal from. We're always broken. That's our identity. That's who we are. We learn to manage the symptoms. That's what I used to think. And so people from everywhere would just reach out and we would pity each other. And it would be this big, huge pity party. And we didn't understand. And why did God do this? Or why didn't he do that? Why didn't he come through? And it was just a, oh, it was me party. And we were consumed with self-pity because we did not understand, I did not understand how God could let these things happen. And in 2020, I was to a place in my life that I had been diagnosed with clinical depression, PTSD, and disassociative identity disorder. I was pretty much at a place where when I would go to sleep at night, I didn't even know if I was going to wake up the next morning because I was also physically sick. I was being seen by the Mayo Clinic. They couldn't figure out what was going on with me. I was just declining. And I really didn't know from day to day if I was going to live, if I was going to take my life. I was barely hanging on by a thread that that meme that goes around on Facebook or I see it. It says, if you're barely holding on by a thread, make sure it's a thread of the garment of Jesus. And I don't know that I was holding on to him at that point in my life, but I know that he was holding on to me and he never let me go through all of it. He never let me go. He was always the one constant in my life. And he was always the one that kept me in sanity in my sanity. I didn't go insane. I was always on the verge of feeling like I was just losing myself and I didn't know who I was going to be and that I was just going to be gone. But in 2020, one of the major things that started shifting was he blatantly showed me that I did not trust him. And I'm like, oh, but Lord, I do. So he has a way of just coming in and ripping off the veil. And he showed me I didn't trust him. I wasn't fully surrendered to him. I wasn't walking in the identity that he had given me. I wasn't standing on the word of God. I was looking at God through the lens of my abuse and through my situations. I wasn't looking at my situations through the lens of the truth of who God really is. And when he started shifting all of that, and he started really speaking to me about 
full surrender, laying it all down and letting go of the need to know why. That right there was a big pivotal turning moment in my life when I really released the need to know why he did not step in, why he did not stop the abuse. It was like I was standing at a crossroad. I could see it so vividly. And I knew that I could continue life the way I was and maybe get another month, another year, who knows, because I was at a place where I don't know if I was going to make it through the next few days. Or I could release the control that I had because when we feel like God owes us an explanation, you know, that's a control thing. It's a control because we want to control the situation. We want what we want when we want it. And when we release that, when I released that, he really started setting me free. He also started teaching me about spiritual warfare, how the enemy will connect to trauma and make us doubt him. It wasn't me that whispered the very first, why didn't God help you? That was the enemy. Of course, it was the enemy. I didn't know it. I was a little kid. I was seven years old. I had no idea that way back then the enemy attached to me and started whispering all of these lies and all of these layers and layers of lies. And he began stripping off those lies. And he just really took me to a place of surrender. And that's the place where I was able to get complete and total freedom. So on May 24th, 2020, I was set 100% free from PTSD, clinical depression, DID. And I actually can say that was the moment that I fully surrendered my life to the Lord that I gave him everything, no looking back. And I let go of the need to understand. So that's a little bit of my background. Okay. So clearly, right. Things did not turn out the way that you wanted them to. Because nobody, again, nobody starts their life and they says, you know what? I would really love to just have a whole bunch of trauma. That would be so cool. I just recorded um, an episode a few weeks ago that I think it was episode 67 that just came out. And I talked about how if God said to you, hey, Nicole, here's your purpose and here's how you're going to get there. And he showed you all the things that you would have walked through to get there. You probably wouldn't want to do it. You'd be like, you know what? I'm actually good. I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm not really interested. Thank you for option A here, but I'll pass on that. And so how is it, how, like, how do you feel looking back on it now based on what you do? Like, how do you feel about everything that you've walked through and that God's walked you through? That's a really good question because that was something that I let go of as well as like the need to understand and those types of things, but also just trying to make sense of my life because it wasn't just the abuse from my biological dad. My first marriage was full of domestic violence. I was sexually assaulted by somebody else as a teenager. Like there was layers of trauma. Trauma leads to trauma and cycles of trauma. And it affected every single area of my life, every relationship, every interaction. It affected for my entire life. I'm 45 now and I did not start walking in freedom until 2020. So for my entire life, I had this bondage. But when I really started looking at it, I can honestly say, if it helps one person, it's worth it because there's so many people that walk through similar things. They walk through more difficult things and they need to see that no matter how far in the pit of despair they're in, God can pull them out in a second. He can do in a moment what we can't do in a lifetime. So would I have chose this life for myself? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But looking back, 
God brings beauty to the ashes. And that's what he's done in my life. And everything has mattered. And he's told me throughout the years, it was an ongoing thing that he's told me over and over that he sees every single tear and not one tear is in vain. And that never made sense to me because I'm thinking, oh, Lord, it didn't bring me peace at the time. Now it brings me complete and total peace. And God set me free. And now when I can help other people, I get a front row seat to seeing people walk in freedom. And I can't really articulate exactly what that means to me. But I was horrifically tormented by demons and lies and trauma. And God gave me the miracle of getting to have a front row seat to see people set free from those exact same things. So I get to watch, literally watch people being set free and having breakthrough in a moment because God is that powerful. And that's like his gift to me. And there's nothing that can replace that. Nothing. So is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. I love that you brought up like you have this but God story. Right. I think I talk to a lot of women who feel that way. Right. They'll tell me A plus B should equal C. That's what the Bible tells me. But really, it feels like A plus B equals Z and one, two, three, and to the square root of 27. Right. Like it doesn't add. But then there's always this but God story. And my friend Molly, she always says, Your story is meant to be mentorship to somebody else. And that, and that's what I'm getting from you, right? Is that it's, it was not enjoyable. I wouldn't ask anybody to walk through the things that, you know, you've walked through, that I've walked through, that other, whatever other traumas people have walked through. But if you can use that story to radically help just even one person, then it's worth it. Absolutely. And so how do you get to that place where you, like, you can no longer feel like resentment or anger towards God about the things that you've walked through? And how do you get to this place where... I can now help other people. It was definitely a journey and a process. Part of it was forgiving, forgiving the abusers. You don't get to this place if you don't forgive. Forgiveness keeps you in a place of anger, bitterness, and resentment. And I don't want to say that you have to forgive God because he doesn't do anything that we have to forgive him for. But we really have to look at him for who he is. We have to stop looking at him for who we think he is. And look at him for who the Bible says he is, because that's the truth. So, for example, I used to look at him as someone who let me down like that. That was my view of God. God, I love you. I know that you're a loving God because your word tells me that. But you let me down. The truth is he did not let me down. He was there. He never left me. And he did some really amazing things showing me that he never left me as I'm able to look back. I know he was always with me. So we have to stop attributing the character traits that we think God has to him. And we have to really know who he is from his word. So that's the number one thing, looking at him for who he is. And we have to also release our plan for our life and get into the will of God. What is his will for our life? Because we can be going about our lives thinking it should be one way, looking at it one way, and we're not even in his will. And unless we relinquish control, and completely surrender to him and really honestly seek his will above ours because we all have things that we want. We all have things that we would rather do. I mean, would I have rather done a million other things? Absolutely. But God's will is perfect. And we have to understand that his timing is perfect. There's so many incidents in the Bible. I was just reading this week about David. He was anointed as king 
but it took years for him to take his place as king. The entire time it was God's plan. The entire time God ordained it. God ordained every single step. David could have said, well, it didn't come to pass. So I'm just going to go do something else. I'm going to go back and be a shepherd or I'm going to go do whatever. And I think sometimes we do the same thing. We hear from God and we're like, oh, God said, this is what's going to happen in our life. And it doesn't happen next month. So then we start doubting. Maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe I'm not doing what he's really called me to do. Or we want to start making it our own way and say, okay, well, God needs help. And so we start getting our hands in it and we start doing our own thing and trying to create what God said he's going to do. And it's not his timing. So it falls apart. And then we think that wasn't God. That's because it fell apart. But no, it fell apart because we created it and we weren't in God's timing. And so his timing is so important. It's not just important to hear from God about his promises and what he wants, but also to walk in his timing and not get ahead of him and not get behind him. We also can get demonic warfare because when God promises us something, you can guarantee there's going to be a demon there trying to snatch it from you. you know, I always think about like when the Israelites went into the promised land, God promised them the land of Canaan. That was theirs. It was their birthright. But they had to drive some giants off their promise. So there's times that we step into our promised season or ministry or job. Maybe it's a job or it can be anything, a relationship, and we get pushed back. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, maybe that wasn't God. No, it's your promised land. You just have to take it. There's times we have to pick up the weapons of warfare and take what God has given us. So I think those are huge things. And knowing the word of God, you have to be a person of prayer, a person of the word. And there's so much releasing. You have to release what you thought your life was going to look like. Let go of any bitterness, any anger, any resentment. And have a real personal relationship with God. It's okay to tell him, God, I'm hurt. God, this isn't what I thought life would be. But then surrender to him. I love what you said about the fact that there will be like spiritual warfare. There will be demonic influence because I don't, I say this every time I teach. I teach a 16-week biblical leadership class. And I say to the women before I even go into the material, I tell them, now that you've signed up and now that you are here, which half of them don't even make it to the first life class because of spiritual warfare. But I have had women and I've said to them, I'm like, the enemy will come. I need you to look for it because the enemy will come. And he does. I have had women who told me their roof fell in like hours before the class started or their marriage was under attack or they got into a huge fight with their children. Um, I had somebody the other day, she said her dog had a seizure 15 minutes before class started. The enemy will come when you're walking in purpose with what it is that God has you doing. And so can you talk a little bit about that? And like, how do you recognize that it's the enemy and not just bad luck or whatever people think? Pretty much. I teach a lot about spiritual warfare. That's one of the the biggest topics I teach that and surrender. Um, And people have accused me and well, you think a demon is behind everything. And it's no, I don't think that they're behind everything, but I think they can be. And I think that we are told to put on the full armor of God because we are in a war. We're not told to put on the full armor of God to go sit on the sideline, to go have coffee, to drink tea. We are in a war. So I think no matter what you're doing in life, it's a guaranteed you have spiritual warfare, plain and simple. Now, does everything that happens bad in your life mean it's a demon? No, not necessarily, but you should be doing spiritual warfare regardless. As a Christian, we need to do spiritual warfare every single day because there are demonic assignments against our life. The word of God says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all they're doing all day long. 
infinity. They are thinking about ways to kill, steal, and destroy us. And so many times we can put our head in the sand and act like that there's not spiritual warfare, but there is. And we need to be awakened to it and we need to be doing warfare. What I mean by that, speak the word of God over your life. Speak it out loud. No weapon formed against me shall prosper in the name of Jesus. I walk through my house saying that. Almost on a daily basis, I'm doing some type of spiritual warfare because it's all around us, especially when you are starting to step into the calling of God. What you said, you can guarantee it's there. And what is it going to hurt if you do warfare and it's not the enemy? So do it anyway is my thing. Do it anyway, because you know that there is an enemy after you. Just like whenever we can binge watch Netflix for 10 hours, but the first time you open your Bible in five seconds, you're asleep. That's spiritual warfare. You know the enemy is coming against you. If you are a lukewarm Christian and all of a sudden the fire sparks in you and you start praying more and you start reading the word more or you sign up for a class that's being offered and you have all of these things happening, you know that's warfare because the enemy does not want you getting closer to God. The enemy does not want you walking in your identity that God has given you. The enemy does not want you doing anything to bring you closer to God. So you can pretty much guarantee those attacks are demonic and you stand against them by speaking the word of God, prayer, and verbally commanding the demons to leave in the name of Jesus. We have authority over the demonic that we have been given by Jesus Christ. If we are walking in relationship with him, when we say leave in the name of Jesus, they have to go. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If you are submitted to God and you are actively resisting the devil, you can verbally command them to go and they have to obey. I love that so much. Okay, we could talk about this for hours, but Nicole, if you had to leave them with a final piece of advice for what do you do when things don't look the way you think they do, or you're dealing with spiritual warfare, any of these things, like what would you tell them? Run to God. Don't run from him. Because so many times when we go through situations, and I would say this with complete confidence, if you are walking through a difficult season, there was is 100% chance you're also going through demonic warfare. It's not going to be possibly because the demons are watching. And if they see you down, they are going to run an attack because they want to make it worse. And they want to draw a line bigger between you and God. They want to build walls between you and God. If you are in a season of questioning, if you're in a season of pain, you're not healed from the past. If you're looking at life and you're like, God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Stop whatever you're doing right now and go to your prayer closet, go to a quiet spot and spend time with God. Tell him how you feel. He already knows, but he wants to hear it from you. Pour your heart out to him, whatever you're feeling. If you're angry, tell him. He already knows. If you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're walking in bitterness, whatever it is, tell him. And then ask him to uproot those feelings. Ask him to completely and totally uproot them. Lay them down at his feet. Surrender them. And then ask him to replace those areas of your heart with his healing, his peace, his joy. Make sure you are rooted in Bible reading time. Don't neglect your Bible reading time and make sure you are praying every single day. And also make sure you're doing spiritual warfare where you are speaking scriptures over your life. Psalm 91 is a beautiful psalm that we can speak over our life. Say the prayers about um, the full armor of God in Ephesians. Speak against the enemy. Verbally command them to leave you alone in the name of Jesus and cultivate your personal relationship with God. Don't seek worldly advice, because if you go to people in the world and you say this or that about God, they're going to give you the wrong advice. Have a circle that is strong and grounded in God. 
Go to them, ask them to pray for you. Ask them, can you pray together? Set aside 30 minutes and go into deep prayer, praise and worship. Don't neglect your praise and worship time. Turn on music or don't even turn on music, but get in the presence of God and let him change you. You're not going to change if you don't allow him to change you. He's the only one that can change us. He created us and he's the only one who can make his changes in us. And you have to actively seek that change. That would be my biggest takeaway. I love that, Nicole. So where can everybody go to connect with you, my friend? Okay. I am on Facebook. I have a ministry group on Facebook. It's called Fullness of Joy Ministry, and it's a group. And I also have a Facebook page there. Um, You guys can also find me. I have a website, and it's called fullnessofjoyministry.com. You guys can also email me at fullnessofjoyministry at gmail.com. Um, That's usually the easiest way. The quickest way to get me is my email or on Facebook. I'm really active on Facebook. I don't know if everybody else still is or not, but I'm old school. I'm still there. And I'm also on YouTube. I have a a ministry channel and it's my name, Nicole, N-I-C-H-O-L-E, Henson, H-E-N-S-O-N. I love this, y'all. I will link to everywhere to go connect with Nicole because we could have had this conversation for hours upon hours. I love this conversation that we're having. Nicole, maybe I need to have you back for a part two at some point because that would be super fun. So y'all just go connect with Nicole. She's so great. We Our first call was supposed to be 15 minutes. And we were definitely on for a full hour. Um, and so I know this podcast could have gone for a very long time. She is just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and really just has a heart to serve the and to use the things that God has given her to help those that come in contact with her. So go connect with her. And I will see everybody next time on the Milk and Honey Podcast. Thanks for being here, Nicole. Thank you. Friend, I know that was probably a heavy episode. And so I want you to use your discernment when sharing it with people or listening yourself. I really, I pray that you use discernment in this. My goal is never to cause a relapse or trigger anybody. If that is something that you are struggling with, I highly recommend seeking a counselor. I will list some resources below for you to find a good counselor near you. And I just pray, I pray so hard that these things that have happened to you that have caused you trauma, I pray for the day that they no longer have impact on you. And so I love you and I will see you next week. Bye, friend. Hey friend, what a joy it has been to share today's journey with you. If you found a spark of inspiration or a nugget of wisdom that resonated, would you bless someone else by sharing this episode with them? It could be the encouragement they need to step into their purpose and calling. Also, if you could spare a moment to leave a review, it would mean the world to me. I really appreciate your feedback and it really helps our community grow. Remember, the road to discovering God's call for you isn't one you have to walk alone. So join me again next Monday for another episode where we'll continue to explore the depths of leadership and the heights of our heavenly calling. Until then, keep seeking, keep growing, and keep trusting in His plan. God bless you, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye, friend.